Hi, this is John Gunter with Eagle Community Church of Christ. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast. This is a podcast of my sermons uh, there at the church. We'd love for you, you to check us out online, eaglechurchofchrist.com. You can find out our meeting times and all of those uh, good things. Today, we finish up our study of Philippians. We're in Philippians 4.13, a very famous verse uh, that so many people know, but so many people take out of context as well. And so I begin the lesson by talking about verses we take out of context. Uh, kind of a trigger alert there. Uh, it might be one you like, <laughs> uh, but we're, we're so happy that you would tune in and we hope you get something out of this. We'll have to study with you. Reach out if you'd like to come be a part of our church, an exciting new uh, startup. We've moved from Baytown into Mont Bellevue, and this is all new for us. So come be a part of something special. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you soon. Thank you, Paul, for leading us this morning. Good thing about having to be here for two services is if you sing the songs you like, you get them twice. Uh, it's been a long time since I sang 10,000 Angels. It's been a long time. I uh, love, love kind of uh, being reminded of some songs that have been you know, an important part of our past and uh, used to sing a whole lot, and sometimes we, we lose touch with those, so appreciate you uh, singing that this morning. Uh, this morning, we are finishing up our, our sermon series on Philippians. I hope and I pray that this has been beneficial to you. Uh, that throughout our study that you have, have gone through it, you've made, hopefully you've read it on your own, and that you're able to, to get some things from Paul uh, to understand his love for these people in Philippi and, and really what he's trying to teach them as they grow closer to God uh, as, as he's trying to teach them that. Uh, this morning we are actually going to be in, I guess, the most famous verse of Philippians, I would say, other than about chapter 2, everybody likes the, the Christ hymn as it's known, where Paul talks about humility. Uh, but the other one is Philippians 4.13. Now, how many times uh, do you use this one, like for different things in your life? I remember when I was in high school, I couldn't remember where it was, so I went to my English teacher, who was also Church of Christ, so I knew she knew the Bible, right? We, we, we used, that was our thing. We was like, we're people of the Bible. So we know it. But my English teacher was a, um, a Church of Christ lady, and I said, where is that verse that says I can do anything, you know, through Christ? You know, I wanted to know that. And so if you go and find my yearbook, you know, this would have been there as John's, you know, inspirational thing or whatever. I don't know how they, they put it in there. But, um, yeah, this was, this was a part of my life. And so I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Some of you reading that right now are thinking, where's Christ? It's supposed to say Christ. Well, the original Greek doesn't say Christ. It says him. And, and translators a lot of times give you a little, like, just a reminder, this is who he's talking about. He's not talking about, you know, somebody else. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Well, the problem with this verse, there's not a problem with the verse, there's a problem with how we use it. Oftentimes, we will grab a verse and we will kind of use it the way we want to use it. Uh, and, and what I'm going to preach and teach uh, as long as I am here, and hopefully that's a long time, is you've got to know the context. You've got to know the context of Scripture. You can't just grab a Scripture and say, hey, here's what it says. You have to know the context. And so this morning, a little trigger warning, there may, I'm going to show you some examples of other verses that we kind of use out of context, and then we'll, we'll talk about what Paul is, is meaning here in, in Philippians 4. All right, I, I want to get the, 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 the bad one out of the way immediately. This is the one you might have on your wall or, or on something, so don't, don't hate me. Uh, and so Jeremiah 29, 11, 
uh, well known for most of you, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And we say, yes, Lord, I need that. I need, I need that, that plan of prosper and, and giving me a future and all this. And, and that's fantastic. And we know from Scripture that, that God does want the best for his, his children. But that may look a little different than what we might think of if we just take this verse, right? Like, like God wants to just give us all these things. All right, what's the context of this? Jeremiah 29, 12, so the following verses. Uh, he, he says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord and will bring um, you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place where, uh, from which I carried you into exile. So what, what God is saying through the prophet Jeremiah at this point is, I put you into exile. I do have plans to prosper you and to give you a future in your own place. But he's not saying what we, what we use this for a lot of times, like to give you all these things. Anybody know how many years it was before God actually brought them back from exile? 70, thank you. Yeah, so next time you quote Jeremiah 20, or you wear that on your shirt, just think, in 70 years, God's going to give me that, you know? <laughs> that, that's not as catchy, you know? And uh, Hey, use Jeremiah 29. Like we know through Scripture that, uh, that God does bless us, but oftentimes, again, that, that just looks different than the way we might want to use this. That it may be after some hardship. God says through other prophets, he actually tells the people, basically, get comfortable. Go ahead and build your houses. You're going to be here a while. So oftentimes, God does not just yank us out of the trouble we're seeing. You know, it's, it's going to be a while. He's going to work, but it's going to take some time. All right, one more. Uh, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Anybody signing up for that today? I mean, if you just grab that one verse, right? <laughs> You just grab that one verse, what does that say? Whatever I want, God wants to give it to me, right? Well, that, that's great, but that's not the context of what he's saying there. You got, you got to go and read the whole thing. It's, it's about loving God and having that desire for him. You know, seek God. All right, here's a good one you, you all know. Do not judge or you, or you too will be judged. How many of you had somebody say that to you before? Yeah. Don't, do, don't judge me. Well, the context of the Sermon on the Mount right here is Jesus, you know, Jesus went around discerning things, didn't he? He told you things that were right and things were wrong. The, the context of this is you are not or are ever going to be in a position to tell someone else you're going to hell or heaven for that matter. You are not in that place of judgment. And so don't judge. Don't try to do that or you too will get the same kind of judgment, okay? And so we don't want to throw, uh, throw these things around. But Often, a lot of our mistakes and our understanding of things are just focusing too narrowly and not seeing the bigger picture. And so we want to we wanna focus on, on that. Anybody remember Tim Tebow? Is this too old a reference for some of you? Um, I mean, he, he still tried to make an NFL team this year. So I thought, well, he's still a little bit relevant. This is when he played for Florida. And so he would have Philippians 4.13 on his eye black. I can do all things is, is our, you know, probably most natural translation that we, we say. Uh, so, so what does God do when Tim Tebow uh, for the Florida Gators plays against somebody else that has the eye black with Philippians 4.13? You know, is God in a quandary? Well, they both wore their eye black with that verse on it. We'll end this in a tie. 
Well, no, this is not how this, this scripture is meant to, meant to be used, even though, uh, I, again, I think scripture will tell us that we can do all kinds of things through our strength in God, through our strength in Jesus Christ. But, but what is that? Is it, is it to win a football game? Well, maybe, but most of the time it's, it's meaning something else, and God has got a different focus than we do. So what's the context of our verse? Philippians 4, uh, 10 through 13. So we'll read, uh, read this section. Paul says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So when Paul says these words to the Philippians, he is telling them about being content. I can do this. I am able to exist. I'm able to be okay whether I've got plenty or not enough and I'm kind of in need because of the strength, because of the power that comes through his relationship with Jesus Christ. That's a different understanding, right? That's the context of this. And it's interesting to me that Paul says that he is content in both, uh, both areas, when he doesn't have enough and when he's got plenty. Well, why would you need to say I'm content when I have plenty? Well, sure we are, right? Or are we? How many times do we have plenty, but we want more, Right? I've got enough, I need just a little bit more. And sometimes I think when we have plenty, that may be the hardest time to be content because then we feel like you know, we've, we've got some, some spending power, we've got some ways we can, we can do with this. But he says both when I don't have enough, I have enough, and both when I, when I have plenty, I have enough. For me, one of my, uh, one of my dreams is to own some hunting land, okay? So maybe I'll win the lottery one of these days or something like that and get some. But uh, it, it's like this with anything. But, you know, I want land, but if I was ever look up land, I always want more, even though I haven't bought it yet. And people that have owned, I've known people that own thousands of acres, but everybody wants that next piece of property that borders theirs. And if I just had that, you know, I could complete the block. Well, I got the block. Now I need the next, you know, some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. I see you, see you smiling. And that's how we are with a lot of things, right? I've got this, well, now I need this, or I need the newer this, or I need something else. And we are never content. And Paul says, you know what, I found the secret. It, it comes from the power that comes from Jesus Christ that I am able to do this. We need to recognize that we live in a world that is designed to make us not content, to be discontent in everything. How many of you have already seen an advertisement for something this morning, whether you knew it or not? Okay? You have. And that, that's the way our world, our culture is designed. We need to make you feel like you need something else. How many of you have said this? My father-in-law says this all the time. Uh, he says, I, I need to go into Bass Pro so I can find out what I need. <laughs> like, right? Like, I don't even have a need, but I'm going to walk in there and see. That way I have one, I can, I can handle that there. Yeah, I mean, you don't even have to try. You know, I was just going to go browse a second. And, oh, man, you know, all of a sudden you've got a, 
you know, $150 bill that you're like, man, I didn't plan on spending anything. But, but that's, that's the way our world is. You know, spend, make more, keep, keep going, keep going. I want to talk about advertising for just a second. In 1970s, the average person saw between 500 and 1,600 ads per day. Now, that seems high because you're talking about pre-cell phone. Every time I tell the kids about, like, uh, like I'll see a, a telephone booth in a movie or somebody will uh, have a, a phone attached to the wall, um, you know, I'll tell the kids, hey, yeah, we used to have to do that. They instantly think, like, I was, around the, I was alive around the time of Moses or something like that. Like, they just take it, oh, wow, what else were you there for, a primitive, you know, type thing. But, but yeah, I mean, this was, this was the time pre-cell phone, uh, not as many movie channels. Some of y'all may have had the gigantic dish. Anybody have that, that big one, like took up a quarter acre in your yard? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, but you didn't have as, as much going on, but, but you still saw between 500 and 1,600 ads per day. So you're talking about even billboards, newspapers, magazines, things like that. All right, in 2007, the market research firm Yankovic finds that uh, the average person sees up to 5,000 ads per day. All right, that's 07. You're saying, John, that was 14 years ago. What about today? Thank you for asking. I'm going to tell you. The average person sees between 6,000 and 10,000 ads per day, each designed to help you feel like I don't have enough. Now, not all of these things are bad. Sometimes you need an advertisement for something that you know, may help you in life, whether you, know, you see all kinds of medicine, you, know, you see all kinds of things. They're not necessarily bad, but you just have to know that's the way our culture is right now, that it's designed to make you want something else. Let's talk about a few of those right now. This week I looked up the weather and did not realize that I needed a subscription to National Geographic. Okay. So all of a sudden you, you see, well, it's going to rain most of the week. And hey, you know what? I read that National Geographic in a doctor's office one time. That would be good. And it's only pennies a day. Um, it's less than a dollar a day. Now all of a sudden I've checked the weather and I have a subscription to National Geographic. All right. One of the things I said I was going to do when I, when I finished my master's, uh, which I recently did, is to uh, start learning Spanish. Well, you can do Duolingo for free and you get ads and all that, but constantly... You, you're going to get the plus advertisement. You need to pay for this. That's not a bad thing, but you just have to know you're, you're seeing ads. You're, you're constantly bombarded with this. Okay, how about this? Bucky's. <laughs> Texas tradition, right? The, the elders, when they're trying to, you know, uh, make me an offer and get me down here, I, they kept talking about the church. It's like, well, do you have Bucky's and HEB? You know, <laughs> that's really what I want to know. Uh, no. <laughs> But yeah, Bucky's a, a Texas, you know, the eyes of Bucky's are upon you. And rumor is you can't get away from them. And I mean, any time of day, in the evening, at night, or in the morn, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, some people don't like that song, by the way, uh, and have written songs talking about how bad that song is. So don't get that reference. Uh, talk to somebody in, in the orange and white and, uh, what's it, burgundy and white? I don't know. Anyway. So, yeah, the eyes of Bucky's are upon you. Uh, El Arroyo over in Austin, always known for their, their catchy signs, got to catch your attention. What if soy milk is just regular milk introducing itself in Spanish? <laughs> soy, meaning I am in Spanish. I am milk. How many of you got that without me explaining it? Like, it's, not as, it's not as funny. It's not as funny if you have to explain it. Okay. 
Uh, no bebo leche, uh, anyway, so, you know. All right. Our, our country, our, our culture, I hope you're getting the point. We, we are built, we are in a place that, that is about capitalism, is about making money, and so if you make money, you need to spend it, and you need to spend it on my product. And I'm going to spend a lot of money uh, to make sure it's in front of your eyes, to make sure it affects you, to make sure you see it, all of those things. And the problem is, it doesn't matter how much you make, it doesn't matter if you get that big raise, what we do, we don't, we don't get that big raise and say, hey, I've got plenty of room now for my bills. No, we, we elevate our lifestyle in something that is called lifestyle inflation. So you make more, you spend more. And so we are constantly at the same state of, I don't have enough, because we have, we have filled that up with more things we need to buy. Uh, I worked in a, a motorcycle shop when I was going through college at Fayetteville, and uh, we had to hold checks for, you know, little bitty things on, on people that made several hundred thousand dollars because lifestyle inflation. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're making 30000 or if you're making 400000 If you're spending it all, chasing things, you're still going to be in this constant state of, I need something else. Uh, you're you're going to put yourself in all this anxiety and worry, chasing all of these other things that don't have the same value that chasing Jesus Christ has. And so we end up and we know we're overwhelmed. We live lives that are just, I've got to be here, I've got to be there, I've got to be involved in that, I've got to have my kids in this, I've got to have that, and we're just built to just go crazy, and we end up like this guy, just hunkered over trying to figure it out. How in the world am I going to do this? And I like, I like this picture because it's, it's got the timer there too. Anybody feel that crunch? i got way too many things going on and not near enough time. Not enough hours in the day is what we say, right? Because we have filled it. We expect when, when somebody asks us, you know, how did your week go? We almost expect like we need to say, man, I was busy. Because somebody may look down on us. You know, we got to be chasing something. we got to be filling our lives with stuff. And often that leads to this. And the problem is, I think, I think throughout um, uh, what we're reading today is, is that we, we're not good, though we know we need to be content, we're discontent in all of those material ways, all those things we're chasing. We want the newest, we want the best, and I'm one of them. I've got an iPhone 8 and the 13 just you know, came out, and I really want it. I don't know if y'all have seen the ads, but you can basically do a Hollywood movie with these things. You know, you're going to have thousands of dollars in lights and stuff, but you know, still, you can use the phone, right? But, yeah, we're like that. And maybe your thing isn't phones. My thing is not necessarily vehicles, but it's other areas. Some people, they want the vehicle. So it just gets us in different, different ways. And so we're discontent in all the ways that, that Paul is talking about, that we should be content. And the place we end up, because we've got too many things going on, something's got to give, right? And so we, come, we become content, or maybe even better word, is complacent in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Because something has to give, right? And so now I don't, I don't have time. I'm, I'm going to be okay with not studying Scripture. I'm going to be okay with not going to church. Don't ask me to get involved. Don't challenge me. Don't try to teach me something. You know, don't change what I already know. I, I don't want to put in that effort. I would like to stay right where I am. And that's where we, we become content or complacent in the wrong areas of our life because we filled up everything else with other things. And that's not what Paul is talking about, is it? 
Paul throughout this letter is trying to encourage the people to keep going, keep moving. You know, have this humility of Christ in chapter two, you know, keep becoming like Jesus. Look, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can be content where I am, whether having a little or having a lot. And he says this, he says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Does that sound like you need to just hang out where you are, church? You need to abound more and more. It's a continual action, right? There's no part of that sentence that sounds like, yeah, you're good. Now, I'm not saying this to say, hey, you should be just uh, worried every second of every day that, that uh, you know, you have lost your salvation. You know, I, I don't remember uh, a minute ago if I did this or didn't do this or whatever. I don't think that's the case in Scripture. But you, you shouldn't be in a place where you are not teachable. That you cannot hear. You know, Jesus, as he taught, he would say this over and over. He said, he who has ears to hear, what does he say, church? Let him hear. Country way of saying that, I think, is you got ears on your head, use them, right? Because some of you are standing here, and I see you've got ears, but what's happening, you know, up here? And if all we do is we show up at a place and, and, you know, things are going in, and then immediately coming out, that's not what Paul's talking about, or that's not what Jesus is talking about when he, when he says that. And so when Paul says, my prayer is for you is that your love may abound more and more in knowledge, depth, of insight, you, you've got to be changing. You've got to say, I want to grow closer and closer to God. I need to make that move. God, would you, would you do something within me to bring me closer to you? He says, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. There's your why. This is why I want this for you, so you're able to discern. Oftentimes when we have a biblical discussion, we have to go ask somebody else where it is, right? And I understand. I feel it is a, a, an immense blessing and privilege that I have been able to go back because uh, ministry was not my first career. It was, it was something that I, I knew God was moving me into later on in life. I, I was an IT guy when Katie met me. She wasn't sure about the move to ministry, by the way. <laughs> it took a, took a couple of years for us to get on the same page, which is important. But yeah, we have, we have to think about this, that we are growing closer and closer, but we, we don't understand Scripture, and we're not interested in studying. And so we have to be content with where we are in study or in our relationship, and that's just not right. That's not what Paul calls for here, that we may be found pure and blameless for the day of Jesus Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ. Uh, This morning, Katie taught the the kids' first service, and she had a fruits of the Spirit thing, and it was like it was actual fruits that they colored in, and I think it was on the orange or something, Logan came out and, and he had them all colored and he said, he pointed to the orange, he said, this is gentleness. And up here are grapes. You know, gentleness is the only thing he could remember, but gentleness and grapes. <laughs> so he got, he got some part of the fruits of the spirit. I said, well, I don't think it all landed with the four-year-old, but that's okay. <laughs> but yeah, we see the fruits of the spirit. And again, what are those? Those are evidences that you are changing, that you are being changed by God that is evident that you have the Holy Spirit in your life. Because you can't just exist 
and be a Christian. You exist and you show evidence that Jesus is in your life. And so that's where we need to become discontent and ready to change and ready to learn more and to uh, grow closer to God and not be chasing all these other things because that is the easy thing, isn't it? How many of you have chased something that you wanted? If, if I only get this, then I'll be happy. Yeah. And it doesn't take long, does it? You had that, and it brings you the ultimate. And it does bring happiness, right? But it is so temporary. You go a month, you go a year, you go a couple of years, and all of a sudden you think, why did I want that? I don't even want That's trash to me now, right? The kids say. It's trash. But what is more valuable? What, what stays around? That's, that's your relationship with Jesus. So my, my challenge to us as a church this morning is to just take the words of Paul that we want to be content, whether we're sitting here right now and we've got plenty, but we kind of want more, or we don't have enough, and we're like, man, I, I really need more things. Paul said, even in that circumstance, through the power that comes through Jesus Christ, I can be content. And that's difficult. Again, today you're going to leave this place. Uh, I told them first service, I said, I guess I could have put like 6,000 slides up here just to do ads that way we could get our, our number up. I don't know. But you're, you're going to be bombarded and you're going to notice it. Like I said, I checked the weather this week. It's like, oh, there's an ad, you know, in my mind. And when you leave this place, you're going to hear it on the radio, wherever you go. Can you be content in the world that, that thrives on you not being and on the flip side of that, can you become discontent with where you are with, with God, that you want to continue growing, not that you're just upset all the time, but that you continue growing, that you're not going to be complacent, you're not going to sit right here right now. But you are teachable, you do have ears, and you do hear. My prayer is that we do hear this, this lesson this morning, and we're able to put it into practice in our lives. And if, if there's any needs this morning you'd like to like for the church to pray uh, for you. I'd love to do that right now. We're going to offer an invitation. Uh, would you come as, as Paul leads us in another song? Sure.